0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous
1: partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joining us now is Darren Beatty. Darren, you have a very important new piece, Revolver.News. Merrick Garland's sloppy Ray Epps plea deal is worse than you think. Darren, tell us about it.
2: Well, as many of listeners might know by now, Ray Epps was indicted finally by the DOJ um, in what is maybe one of the most bungling and inept efforts to salvage the crumbling narrative surrounding Ray Epps and the Fed's erection more generally. This is over two and a half years after January 6th, and the Fed's perfunctorily Weekly, slap him with a singular misdemeanor charge for disorderly conduct. Um, At this point, it's simply too little too late, and people see it for the desperate attempt that it is. Um, And so we have two brand new pieces on revolver.news addressing this and analyzing it. The one at the very top that you mentioned sort of looks at the statement of offense. Basically, they gave Ray Epps a really sweet a guilty plea deal, and he's agreeing to having done a certain number of things that amount to this misdemeanor charge. So we go through the statement of offense and its description of his behavior on the fifth and the sixth, and we compare it to what we have documented on video of him doing, and we show what an absolute sham this statement of offense, this plea deal actually is. And in this particular piece at revolver.news, there's some very rare, some some very amusing, and all very damning footage of Ray Epps's involvement on the 5th and on the 6th. So, so then how do you see this playing out? Is
1: there any way where we can ever get the truth about Ray Epps's involvement? Because I mean, again, the, the piece at Revolver.News is that Merrick Garland shoots himself in the foot with sloppy Ray Epps plea deal. Uh, earlier this week, DOJ charged the infamous Fed Surrection provoc- provocateur Ray Epps. Give us some examples, Darren, of other people that have experienced serious indictments for things that
2: Ray Epps also did. Well, in many cases, Ray Epps actually did more. But just to provide a bit of context, you know, people are saying, well, Ray Epps didn't go into the Capitol that completely leaves out the fact that Enrique Tario, who's to date has gotten the most severe sentence of all January 6th defendants, at 22 years. Not only was he not in the Capitol on the 6th, he wasn't even in D.C. The reason he got this ridiculous 22-year charge is he was charged with and convicted of seditious conspiracy. All of the severe charges are conspiracy charges, and even though seditious conspiracy is the most serious, just about everyone remotely in Ray Epps's position would have got obstruction of an official proceeding. But the amazing thing is, I've looked at the documents related to Tario, it's a very flimsy case for conspiracy in his case, but in Ray Epps's case, Epps literally acknowledges that he was involved in a conspiracy insofar as he texted his nephew saying of his involvement in January 6th, I orchestrated it. I orchestrated it. So the feds are throwing nearly two-decade sentences on people with flimsy evidence of conspiracy And the one guy who admits that he orchestrated it and there's ample supporting evidence on video is the one person that the DOJ has bent over backward to protect and that the media, for that matter, has aggressively defended singularly amongst all of the January 6th participants.
1: So I got to be honest, Darren, I've had a change of opinion for years. I thought, hey, it's good to have these head of these agencies publicly be asked questions in five minute intervals. I've changed my opinion. Darren, I saw this Merrick Garland clown show the other day and they just lie and they give non answers or they have a sudden case of, you know, forgetting like amnesia. I don't remember anything. So, Darren, we got to change the way that we hold this fourth branch of government accountable. What is your reaction from that Merrick Garland hearing? I learned nothing. I thought it was largely a waste of time.
2: Do you share that opinion? Yes, I do. I think, you know, as most of these things are, they're mainly useful for generating public awareness, which is not nothing, but it doesn't deliver accountability. And I think a general state of affairs that we're in now is at a very high level of public awareness. I think people are more aware than ever at how sordid and dirty and dark the regime actually is. And yet, notwithstanding this heightened awareness, There is very little, if any, um, a vehicle to deliver accountability for the malfeasance that we've increasingly learned about. And we're learning about more and more each day. And that's part of the tension and um, if not paradox, certainly the frustration of our moment is we're learning more and more. And we have less and less that we're actually able to do about it in terms of real accountability. And unfortunately, as we've spoken about many times, there's such a tremendous demand for easy answers to that question. But there is no easy answer to that question as to how to deliver the infrastructure of accountability that we really need to correct what's going on in our country.
1: So I want to play a piece of tape here. Uh, the, 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 the idea that Merrick Garland doesn't know the answer to this question, he's a liar. Play cut 51. Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation?
0: Uh, don't re- I, don't, I don't recollect the answer to that question, but the FBI works for the Justice Department. It's. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't apart.
1: recollect? You don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son? I I don't believe that I did. Darren, he's a liar. He's a liar. There is no way. Your
2: thoughts well he's a liar but he's also a lawyer and he he <laughs> answered well that said. question in a That's very right. a very rehearsed and very sophisticated fashion from a legal point of view oh i don't recollect i don't recollect i don't know and then you know basically saying it probably happened due to the relationship between you know the doj and the fbi but it's certainly weaseling his way out of it you know he thinks he's untouchable and he may be right and I think it's important to just Remind ourselves of his history. You know, this is not his first rodeo. The system doesn't have that many people on which they can really rely who've been consistent players for the regime for decades, who know where the bodies are buried and are, you know, loyal janitors for the system. Merrick Garland is one of those people. You know, people forget he was a player as early as the 90s, and he actually ran the domestic extremism portfolio. Um, for Bill Clinton, where he was, you know, really spearheaded the attack on various militia movements that were emerging uh, in the 90s. And, you know, much more controversially, he played a very, very um, disturbing role in covering up key aspects of the Oklahoma City bombing. He's been around for a very long time. He knows the ropes. He knows what he's doing. Um, these figures are just recycled over and over again. You know, I, I just, but you know, an,
1: I got to interrupt. So, if the IRS comes to you, okay, and you mm-hmm. take a fraudulent deduction or a questionable, tari- let's just say, deduction on a business, and if you say to the IRS, I don't remember or I don't know, you could go to jail you could if you told the IRS, I, I don't remember the circumstances. So for a citizen to say something like that, they could go to prison. But the attorney general of the United States just gets away with it.
2: Well, yes. I mean, that's the accountability issue as to the precise legal question of whether, you know, he perjured himself in doing that or whether it can be, you know, proven or so forth. Again, he's a lawyer. So I think you know, he has a rehearsed way of answering these types of questions that cover his base. But like you say, it's obvious, of course, he's had these conversations. And either way, it's like, if he hasn't, it's it's in some ways even more damning because it shows that he's asleep at the wheel and he's basically designated somebody to do his dirty work for him. So either way, it's unconscionable and it just goes to show just how egregious these people are, just in a slightly different context, but but in similar in, in spirit. It recently came out, there's a testimony that Stephen D'Antuono had before the Judiciary Committee and all sorts of things. He was the head of the Washington field office of the FBI, among other things in charge of all the J6 investigations. He is one of the many people who reserves his mercy and his sympathy singularly for Ray Epps. He was asked about Ray Epps, he said, I feel awful for Ray Epps, awful for Ray Epps. And he was asked a follow up question. Well, have you seen the video of Ray Epps's behavior on the fifth and the sixth? He said, no. Now, I find that very hard to believe, but it's remarkable that the head of the FBI's J6 investigation, remember the FBI put Ray Epps as one of the first 20 people on his most wanted list due to how egregious his, his behavior was. There's a national conversation about the nature of Ray Epps's involvement that's very controversial. And here you have the head of the J6 investigation saying I feel awful for Epps. And he hasn't even seen the video. Again, it's, if he's lying, it's damning. But if he's not lying, it's even more damning because it shows how they're asleep at the wheel and they just designate underlings to do all the dirty work for them. Either way, it's totally damning to the functioning of our system.
1: Your thoughts on Bob Menendez. What's really going on here, Darren Beatty?
2: Well, it's certainly interesting to see a high profile Democrat actually indicted for these particular types of charges. I mean, the behavior itself is relatively commonplace in our politics. That's how the swamp functions. But it's not lost on anyone looking at this the parallels and similarities between what Menendez is charged with and what the Biden family has been up to for a very long time. And so, there's one theory that would say this is sort of escalating the pressure on the Bidens by creating an actual um, precedent for indictments or teeing things up for Biden. Although, you know, the inside baseball could be such that there's something going on completely in parallel. I think, generally speaking, what we can be assured of is these types of indictments don't happen because, oh, they just found out about their. You know these people doing illegal things. This has been an open secret for a very, very long time. The fact that Menendez is being indicted now means that he's either expendable at this point or he's counterproductive or it's somehow useful to the regime for a larger purpose. For instance, maybe teeing up indictments for Biden or putting pressure, additional pressure on the Bidens to push them off the table for 2024. Um, indictments like this are not what people think. It's like, oh, there's finally accountability. has nothing to do with accountability. Accountability is the afterthought. It, accountability in the regime is the collateral damage. That's one way to put it. Accountability from the regime's perspective is the collateral damage of a strategic move that will strengthen the regime's position in its own thinking.
1: It is also a reminder to all other ninety nine senators that the administrative state runs the country, that the fourth branch of government is in charge, Darren, what should happen on nine thirty and what do you think is going to happen on nine thirty
2: Well, I think it's just a matter of wait and see I'm not uh not prepared to speculate that We just have to wait and see um and keep in mind the context that that I've been describing is that um accountability is the collateral damage. Everything is about, you know, the strategic moves of the regime and how they're positioning themselves for 2024. It's actually a, it's an interesting strategic uh, conundrum that they have with a number of moving parts. They've proven themselves to be very effective in the past. And so we just have to see whether the machine, which is still well oiled is as efficient as it once was as recently as, you know, four years ago.
1: Darren Beatty, check out Revolver.News. Great job. Thanks so much. Thank you. I want to summarize our time together today uh, by just kind of recapping the week. Started at Northern Arizona University, and it's just amazing how the media lies and misrepresents. You know, I've been doing this for quite some time. For the last three years, do you know the problem that we've had at Turning Point USA? We have not been able to find rooms big enough to fit all the students that want to attend our campus stops, especially last semester. Ohio State packed hundreds of students we had to turn away. Even at UC Santa Barbara had to turn away students all across the country. And yet the media comes up and they all of a sudden say, oh, my goodness, they say, Charlie Kirk gets heckled. He's not very good at this thing. These are dishonest people. And I'm sure the media will cover our upcoming campus tour. I'm sure they're going to cover all of San Jose State, UCF, Albany, Buffalo, Georgia Tech. I'm sure that they're going to cover all the response we receive at Arizona State University. You guys know this, but when you really experience it on a daily basis, these are bad people. The media, they are co-conspirators in the downfall, the destruction of the greatest nation ever to exist in the history of the world. They don't care about truth. They care about power. They do not care about honesty. They care about revenge. These are bitter, broken, bad people that happen to have a keyboard. It makes them important because they think they can control you and crush you. Thankfully, we do not bend a knee at the golden calf of the New York Times.
0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy.